This is Payments Innovation. We take you deep into the DNA of digital finance with some of the most respected voices in the industry. Let's dive in. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Payments Innovation Podcast. I'm joined with my guest, Simon Grunfield of Cogni. Uh, So, Simon, how's it going? Good, Scott. Thanks for having me. So, Simon, you're the head of Web3 at Cogni. Um, What does that mean? (laughs) Well, that means that I'm I'm the one responsible for driving the Web3 strategy and product. What I've been brought on to do was to take Cogni, which was set up as a Web2 neobank, which basically means it's a banking platform. Okay, it's a bank uh, just without the brick and mortar locations and expand its capabilities into Web3. So first and foremost, that means that we have to launch some sort of crypto capability for users to be able to at least custody crypto as part of their day-to-day uh, user experience with the Cogni app. So the first thing that I'm doing uh, is the first non-custodial wallet attached to your bank account. So users, Cogni users who sign up and get a Cogni account uh, will also be able to not just use Cogni for their uh, standard fiat, you know, collecting their paychecks into their account, using their debit card, uh, buying gift cards online, etc. But now they'll also be able to use crypto as part of that experience. Into 2023, we're going to be rolling out exchange capability so that people can use the fiat that they have in their bank account to buy and then eventually sell crypto back into fiat. So you're trying to make the Web3 experience the same as if you're just using it like a regular bank account almost because you're you're pairing the bank account that you already offer through your neobank with the crypto wallet. And it's all also the same experience. It's all the same experience. But what we're doing, which is fairly different than some of the other providers out there is that again, we're not centralized. Even your wallet, that crypto that you hold in your wallet is still yours. You have the private keys to that. If you decide to leave Cogni or even to move those assets to another wallet, you can do so. We have no control over that. So what do you see as exciting within the NFT and and gaming space and metaverse space that you just mentioned, the Web3 world? Uh, beyond all of the drama that we're currently seeing in FTX, and we can talk about that. What's there to be excited about? Uh, you know, there's obviously a lot in the news of things to be worried about, but what is it? What has you guys excited and bullish on the space? With NFTs, we are inking partnerships with large brands uh, that are either in sports or they're just in pop cultural based apparel, and they're looking to expand their community. They're looking to grow it, and the best way that they know how to do it is or they come to us and the best way we know to do it is through NFTs. What we're doing is we're just providing a platform that allows us to uh, give users access to a non-custodial wallet combined with their bank account so they can combine all of their um, transactions, everything that they want to do from a monetary perspective, all inside of one app. It's growing communities. It's a brand that wants to grow its community looking at how can technology help them get closer to user engagement increasing adoption and uh, just overall growing their own respective communities. Again, we're not the ones that are driving that tech. We're driving on the transactional side, on the compliance side, the regulatory side, making sure that all of those points have been covered. It's really up to the brand to do their own marketing and sales and of course drive that that agenda. So that's, from our perspective, that's where we're bullish. Um, There's one more area in NFTs that we're we're building in-house and that is our passport product and passport is meant to bridge the traditional Web2 KYC into the Web3 realm. 
what we're doing at a high level is we're taking what you would normally get when you sign up at a bank, that, that KYC proof of authenticity. We're putting that up on blockchain and we're dropping a non-fungible, a non-transferable NFT into your wallet. So now you can use that on any Web3 platform, compliant platform, and that Web3 compliant platform can now use our standard to verify that you're Scott, you're not a politically exposed person, you're not involved in any anti-money laundering, you know, you're kosher, you're good to go. So it's a way of proving that you're an actual real person and you're the owner of the NFT wallet when you're exchanging NFTs in a, in a marketplace? Is that the idea? Correct. Well, not just NFTs, anything Web3 related. So if you're holding digital assets and if you're coming onto my platform, I could be a gaming provider and you're looking to transact, then we need to, I, somebody needs to know who you are. We can bring anybody that complies with any kind of standard here in the US and we can provide them a compliant way to validate wallets. Okay, not in a sense that, uh, well, this is what the wallet did, this is what the experience looked like, and these are different websites that they went to. No, no, no. That Scott owns this wallet and that all the transactions are from Scott. And we can do it in a very thin, lean manner to that platform. So that gaming platform or that DeFi platform or that metaverse or that exchange or whatever it is, they don't need to now onboard an entire KYC team. They don't need to onboard a chief of compliance. They don't need to have all of these uh, service providers lined up in the back end. All they have to do is pay a few cents on the dollar uh, and just adhere to our standard. And that's it. What you're building with this passport is a, a step closer to a compliant version of crypto. And is, is this a, a drawback from the traditional uh you know, crypto evangelists that the anonymity was part of the reason why there was value in, in crypto and, and using this? Well, I don't think we're building is going to do anything to change anonymity. You can still remain anonymous if you want to. Nothing prevents you from owning as many wallets, as many digital assets as you want, uh, or doing whatever you want to do with those assets. So it's all about just trying to make sure that Web3 space adheres to the same level of regulatory compliance. Look at what happened with FTX. Let's look at what happened with Celsius. Let's look at what happened with Voyager. Let's look at what happened with a lot of these platforms simply because they weren't adhering to the same level, to, to at least meet us at the same level. They didn't do that. So I don't think that regulation is going to completely or, or do anything other than prevent future disasters from happening. It's going to help secure and provide more sanctity to the industry and ultimately safety of funds to the end user. I don't, I don't know what the average portfolio looks like for people who invested with uh, FTX, probably in the millions, uh, but Celsius, and we were talking about people that, you know, four or five K of their life savings, which could have been 50% of their life savings. Okay, so we're talking about people that, that money means a lot to them. So how do we prevent that? Well, step one, let's try to create a framework. FTX is really set up in the Bahamas. So where does that fight begin? I, I don't even know. The gold standard when it comes to regulatory compliance has to be here in the U.S. It's always has been and it needs to continue. The problem is, is that we've looked at it differently. It's so much easier to spin up an exchange overseas than it is here or set up a token project overseas than it is here that that's where people are going. So, um, you know, at some point, something's got to give. Because of this upheaval of all these different crypto companies and 
the explosion of FTX, an explosion of Celsius, explosion of Voyager, you think that it's going to create the impetus to change that's going to allow for wider adoption of crypto in the long term because there will be all these uh, safeguards in place, whether they be part of the legal system or inherent in the company's policies and procedures such that it won't happen again? Or do you think that this is something that is just going to continue to happening and until, um, you know, is this just part of crypto? So first of all, it's part of crypto in the sense that you have this, this large area that's completely still kind of like the Wild West. And uh, so first off, regulation will help. But even with regulation, so, you know, we might eliminate 90% of the fraud out there, which is a great start, right? It's amazing. If you can go ahead and eliminate 9% of fraud across any kind of ecosystem, good for you. High fives. We did a good job. I don't think it's going to ultimately uh, remove all of it. As long as you have centralized systems in place, then you have the opportunity to commit fraud simply because you know, people will put their trust in you. Another reason why we decided the strategy that we, we chose, which is using an FDIC-insured bank, which means that all of the client deposits are FDIC-insured. If Cogni goes belly up, you get your money back. On the crypto side, we're using non-custodial wallets. If Cogni goes belly up, you still own your key. You still own your assets. Okay, so we're, we're trying to say, don't trust, don't trust me. <laughs> don't trust the people at Cogni. Instead... Trust FDIC and trust yourself with being able to manage your own digital assets. If you can trust yourself and the FDIC, you're in a much better position than anybody that trusted Celsius or Voyager or any of those guys. Now that these things have happened, it's just going to be harder to pull off like a massive crypto fraud. I think that to a degree, uh, people have learned their lesson. But I think that, like you said, um, you can create a system whereby uh, trust is inherent by, you know, either it's non-custodial wallets and, or an FDIC shared bank account. Um, so there are ways to create a safe space for, for crypto. Um, but I also think... But why don't they do that? Why, why do you think companies, if given a choice to do what Cogni is doing versus going centralized, okay, why do you think that they would still go with the centralized? The answer is actually very simple. There's more money in the centralized. There's more money involved. We don't get a chance to take your deposits and play around with it. We don't get a chance to take your deposits and turn it around and lend it out. Okay, your deposits are your deposits. It's your money. We depend on transactions, buying and selling crypto, buying and selling whatever you're using your debit card with. That's that's really our model. That's how we build it out. The centralized model is the much more beneficial one to the company's bottom line but not to your risk appetite. It's actually the complete opposite. So Binance and Coinbase and these other uh, exchanges, those are all centralized? Yes. So they're all technically at risk? Of yes. Technically, every dollar you have in, you've put in, and listen, I'm guilty of that as well. I've, I've used Coinbase. My funds, any money that I have with Coinbase is not security protected. Not to take anything away from Coinbase or Binance or Gemini or Kraken or any of these guys, uh, but um, the truth is that if any of them fail, you become a creditor. And uh, chances are you're not going to get your full money back. You're going to be getting you know, 80%, 90%, maybe less even, depending, depending on how bad the situation is. But that's the reality. If you're dealing with a centralized platform, and it doesn't have to be crypto, 
centric. It could be any broker dealer in the Web2 space, okay? Any MF global in the Web2 space. Given all of this turbulence in the crypto markets, is this a barrier to mass adoption? Did this set us back five years where now people are going to be less likely to invest in crypto? Crypto is the first store of value that is borderless. It's the first store of value that anybody can participate in, regardless shape, size, form, age, geographic location, doesn't matter. So because of that frictionless ability to transact, that's first and foremost the value of crypto. Second value is that it's decentralized. It doesn't require a middleman. You and I can transact right now. We don't have to ask permission from anybody and you know, we, we own our respective assets once that transaction is complete. So I think if, if we're looking at it from that perspective, those are the two main items, then it makes complete sense why crypto will continue to grow and flourish. You know, it's a new market, uh, much like the dot-com boom of the uh, late 90s and early 2000s, and then you saw the whole bust and everybody's like, ah, internet is over, internet is over. Well, I think it just took some disasters for us to realize how we should be controlling this, uh, this flame and not let it go out of control. You see Cogni and what you're building at Cogni as a way to make the actual utility of the blockchain and NFTs available in a safe and compliant way to your customers. Yes. So let's talk about safety and compliance and all that. So what is the difference between one really good wallet and another really good wallet? Well, which one provides the best level of support? Because we're already a neobank and we already have an infrastructure and we do customer service already to our web two, then we already have the resources lined up to start providing the same kind of level of service to those that are coming in now just on the web three. Um, now, that's one. Two, knowing that they can deposit funds with us and that again, we're not touching it, I think gives them a great deal of security. It's the sanctity of client funds. How do we maintain and preserve security of customer funds? And the way we do it, again, split into two ways. On the dollars, on the fiat side, everything's FDIC insured. On the crypto side, we don't keep a copy of your key. Yeah, I think that'll go a long way in, in gaining new customers because I can tell you right now, that's that's what most people uh, are looking for in a crypto app. Yeah, and I think that we're only going to see adoption of crypto grow because it's, it's that much easier. It's just easier to transact in crypto. It's cheaper and I don't need a middleman. So why wouldn't I want to continue to transact in crypto? It makes complete sense. Um, obviously, this was a threat to the banking industry early on, and that's why the banks were very uh, bearish about it. But in hindsight, we all know that they all took positions themselves, uh, waiting for a bunch of bull runs to happen. We want to create really a new trend in the industry, which is let's put the customer first, and then let's just keep that customer as long as possible by providing them with good level of quality service, just like any traditional bank and mortar, you know, a brick and mortar location would do the exact same thing. All right. Awesome. Thank you very much, Simon, for hopping on. Take care. Thanks, Guy. You too. Thanks for joining us here on Payments Innovation. We'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas about the show. Connect with Currency Cloud on Twitter or LinkedIn to find out more. And remember to subscribe by your favorite podcast player. Until next time.